0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Let's Read the Bible, a podcast where you take a deep dive into biblical topics in a way that's easy to understand. If you'd like to follow along, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and subscribe to the 49-week challenge reading plan. We also have physical reading plans available in the lobby every Sunday.
1: Yes, and as usual, if you have questions that come up while you're listening to our brilliant comments and understanding and insights into so the Scripture... Brilliant. Uh, we should be scholarly. I mean, I should get like an, an honorary doctorate, right, for all the conversations we have. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but if you get if you have questions that pop up in your head or as you're reading through the text as you're reading along the Bible reading plan with us, we want to know about those questions because we want to help process through them with you and provide as much information and answers back as we possibly can. Um, you've asked some really great questions for all of our listeners up to this point. So keep sending them in. There's two ways you can send them in. One is through an email at, in, to email at info at grove.church. So I N F O at grove.church. Uh, shoot us an email there, or you can also jump on our Grove church, Facebook page, uh, give us a thumbs up while you're there just for, for kicks and giggles uh, and then direct message us on the Grove Church Facebook page. We are the Grove Church in Washington state. We have two campuses in Marysville and Washington. So we'd love for you to send those questions in. Marysville and Snohomish. But yeah. What did I say? Marysville, Marysville Washington. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean,
0: technically that's true, I suppose. Listen, If you're just listen, being really Linda. broad.
1: Listen, Linda.
0: All right. Well, as far as resources we're using today, uh, we kept it pretty simple. It's basically just ESV, Bible software,
1: ESV study Bible. Yeah. And then I've got a commentary I'm using called Preaching the Word by Kent Hughes. There you on go. Hebrews.
0: Um, so I'm actually gonna I'm gonna mix it up a little bit on our notes. We ha- look, I have go, it in go, a certain down. I have it in a certain order, but I'm actually gonna skip our first section. We'll come back what? to it. I know we're going
1: crazy. Listen, I have a plan and a strategy, and you just messed it all up.
0: All right, today we are talking about Melchizedek. Um, and you may be thinking to yourself... If you can spell Melchizedek without Googling it, Dude, Evan, that was buy you lunch. that was rough during writing the notes for sure, <laughs> but... <laughs> we'll call him Mel for short. Um, if you're thinking to yourself, who is Melchizedek, that's totally fine because he is that's not... That's the point of this podcast. He's not a major biblical character in the sense of... You know, he doesn't have any books about him. He's really only in two places. Um, there's a passage in Genesis and a passage in Hebrews, and that's about it. let be honest, a very brief passage in Genesis. Oh, yeah, very brief. So what we're going to be talking about is really what is the significance of Melchizedek and why of so many of the Old Testament biblical characters. Because when you look through Hebrews, like it's talking about Moses and Abraham mm-hmm. and Date like all it's these. It's got this
1: of- Old Testament vibe. Hebrews yeah. does, and it's a New Testament book. but
0: And then randomly, it's like, oh, let's also focus on Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of odd, and we're going to talk today about why that is, and we're going to read. Yeah. Uh, today's going to be a really scripture-heavy uh, yeah.
1: podcast episode, because we're just going to read the passages. And the other thing, exist. too, just to be aware of, um, as I cut Evan off, is if you're following on currently in the reading plan right now, we would have just finished the book of Hebrews, which is this is where we draw the idea of Melchizedek from, and I'll take full ownership of this idea. Evan, I told Evan we should talk. He's like, okay, sure. Cause Evan's so easy going. It's true. Um, but so that's why we just finished reading through the book of Hebrews. If you're not currently caught up, then you may be actively going through the, the, the passage in Hebrews chapter seven, where it talks about Melchizedek. And so we just want to kind of bring some clarity to it. Uh, probably a lesser known Bible character who, as we read through Hebrews, we realize there's actually a lot of important parts to this short passage in the old Testament. So that's why we're doing it. There you go. All right. So we're going to get to the Genesis passage first, and then we'll talk a little bit
0: more about Melchizedek. So uh, this is from Abraham's perspective, by the way. So we're going to start there. After his return from the defeat of, oh, I should have looked up that name. I'm going to go with... Kedorlaomer. 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 Sure, that'll work. Sure. We'll call it cheetah. Cheetah for short. <laughs> cheetah. Uh, after the return from the defeat of Cheetah and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Sheva, that is the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram the mo- by the God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abr- Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And he said to Sodom, and the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted my hand to the Lord God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, that I would not take a thread or a sandal strap or anything that is yours, lest you should say I have made Abram rich. I will take nothing but what the young men have eaten and the share of the men who were with me, let Enor, Echol, and Marmay take their share. Okay. So it's really weird. Could you
1: keep up with that? That's the question.
0: (laughs) Right. So uh, Abram, (laughs) Abram, Abram wins the victory. um, And really what we're focusing on here is the interaction between him and Melchizedek, who is the King of Salem. So the King of Sodom is the very end there and a priest. So, all right, that brings us to what are some important things to know about Melchizedek? Well, first off, I think this is interesting because when you really think about it, I think it's kind of a duh moment, but it's something that people don't often think of is that He was a worshiper of Yahweh, Mm -hmm. um, even though he was not a part of Abraham's family. Um, And I think sometimes we kind of just think of it in the sense of um, like when Abram is called, that it's another godless time where no one is worshiping God and then God chooses Abram. But that's not actually what it is. It's not like Noah where there's just like everyone's turned their backs Mm -hmm. on God. So there are other people besides Abram and his family that are worshiping the one true God. Um, Now they're not the people of Israel because that those people are directly descended from Abraham. And most of them, I would think kind of die out as you see when they come back from Egypt, everyone's just all about idols now at that point, which is like 400 years later. But for, for the time being um, there are other people that worship Yahweh. And then the the other uh, really obvious example of this is Job and his friends. So Job and his, uh, the book of Job, most likely takes place around the same time as yeah, when that'd be a good book to spend some time studying, wouldn't it? Adam? There you go. Uh, <laughs> but it most likely uh, takes takes place uh, at that time, and you see that Job clearly worships God, mm-hmm. um but also his friends, where they may be misguided in a lot of the uh, a lot of the advice that they give, but they are also clearly. Yeah. They're all talking about the same God. They're not talking about different idols here. So
1: there you go. And just so you know, if you're new to listen to the podcast, thanks for joining us. The the little sarcastic quip I made. Evan's been, I think he's still working through the book of Job. You betcha. But it's been several months now, I feel like. Uh, but he's just been working through three different commentaries because he's really just been in the season of learning and reading and studying about Job. So, uh, we did a podcast a while back that just talked about what, what's on our th- minds today, and he shared some thoughts from Job, which I thought were really good too. So that oh, was thanks. a sarcastic quip. So just so, trying to bring in
0: the audience. That's what I've been I've been obsessed for the better part of the year with um with the book of the Bible that's mostly about suffering. So coincidence? I think not. I think I think probably not. Although it was not planned. So there you go.
1: Um, so- well, I, yeah, and I don't I don't know where exactly because you change all of your notes, so I don't know exactly where you're going. Um, but one of the things that I've I've been doing is reading through the Book of Hebrews, and so this is why I brought up the idea of Maccabees. Is because I spent three chapters of this commentary talking about chapter seven, um, and even some of chapter six, I believe. Um, but it's just interesting some of the things that are that you don't pick up on. But when Abram, who is uh, you know in essence is God's chosen person, so to speak, because he's the one that told Abram to get up and leave where he was and go where he doesn't know yet. And this has been this journey. So he comes to Melchizedek after this, or Melchizedek comes to him. Abram's response shows something that is very important. It shows the the, the value and the understanding that Abram saw Melchizedek as someone to be revered and as someone to be honored and respected as a priest of God. Uh, and he shows this by what he gives him. He gives him a tenth of all of the spoils of war. He takes a tenth of what he got. The and this isn't like, hey, here's ten percent of the crap, but it literally is the best, the top. Um, what's how do I, or I forget how they say it? But it's the, the, the best of the spoils. I mean, really, like 10%. it's a it's a tithe, really. Yeah, that's it's what he's he giving he the best ten percent, but it's, it's the best of what I have is, And I think sometimes just to be on a side note, we've our perspective of tithe is I just need to give about ten percent of what I have when it's, it's this idea of the tithe means fruits. it's the ten, it's the first thing that goes out 10% goes back to God. So that's a side note. So that's what, that's what Abram did in recognizing Melchizedek. Um, it's also important that in, in Psalm 110, and I'm sure we'll get to this at one point, but David has an illusion uh, of the a prophetic word about the coming Messiah comparing him back to Melchizedek. Um, so anyways, that's a, that's a different note that's coming at a different time, but dude, the Mechizedek is a pretty phenomenal, um, we don't know much about him, but he is a very high, highly regarded and highly ranked individual, uh, for, for God. So, yeah. So there you go. Uh, another thing, uh, that is important to talk about, and we, and we have
0: already alluded to it, but, uh, he's the earliest example that we have of someone who is both King and priest, mm-hmm. um, which is really what, it's what Jesus is all about. Yep. So it's
1: that's what Jesus called. Yeah. That's why he's, he's saying, that's why even in Psalm 110, where David is prophetically talking about it, he's talking about, he's going to be king and priest. That's yeah. the illusion of the coming Messiah.
0: So. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, that when you look at judges, there was not always a separation between the king and the, or the, the ruler, I'll say of Israel and the priest because Eli and Samuel um, are both leaders of Israel. And at the same time, they are priests. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not all of the judges were, so it's kind of, it depends on how you're, how you're uh, classifying them. And do you classify Eli and Samuel differently than, you know, you classify Samson or uh, Gideon. Which and I them. would, but that's, what yeah. You. So there you go. Um, but by the time you get the Kings with Saul, um, especially, cause you see that come back to bite him all the time, but then the entire line of Kings, David on through uh, there is a separation between the priests and the Kings. And in fact, Uzziah, um, who otherwise is a very good king is actually punished with leprosy because he blurs that line between the priest and the king. And he tries to take on priestly duties, even though he's a king. So yeah, it's There's kind a of very clear line. It's kind of interesting. And so it does make sense. Well, and we'll get into, we'll read the Hebrew section here in a second. Um, to, to kind of give an idea why we're talking about this, but it does make sense as to why when it talks about the way that Jesus is priest is different from the way that they've seen the priest, because um, he is also the king. And now those lines aren't blurred, are blurred, blurred.
1: <laughs> now now yep, those, that can work too. They weren't blurred.
0: They weren't blurred. Uh, now those lines aren't blurred and Jesus can act as both the priest and the king of his people. Yeah. So kind of interesting. Um, okay. So we're going to go ahead and read the passage. Uh, the very first mention is at the tail end of chapter six, and then it's all of chapter seven. So get
1: ready, buckle up. We're going to buckle up. Get buckle your Bibles out. If you need to push pause on the podcast, do that and read along with us. And then we'll jump in afterwards and share some commentary. There you go. All right. So it says in starting in
0: 619 and then all of chapter seven, uh, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone on as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek for this Melchizedek King of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither the beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man is who to Uh, was to whom Abraham the patriarch gave a 10th of his spoils. And those descendants of Levi who received the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man does not have his descent from them uh, received tithes of of Abraham and blessed him who had all the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior." In the case, in, in the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by the one, one whom testifies that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there be to have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron. I'm going to pause here for a second because I feel like we're getting a little convoluted. So we're just going to, we're going to recap. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot here.
1: So So I'm trying to, I was trying to make mental notes like, okay, let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about it. Anyways. All
0: right. So we stopped at, we stopped at verse 11. Let's talk about it for a second and then we'll, and then we'll go back to reading. Um, Okay. So the big thing it's saying right now is essentially giving the difference between, uh, what is the difference between a priest of the order of Melchizedek and a priest of the order of Levi It's comparing the two, which yeah. is actually really rad. And so, uh, So just to give a quick history history lesson on, you know, if you remember, Abraham has a son, Isaac, who has a son, Jacob, who has a son, Levi, um, among 12 other sons. And there's more famous sons like Judah and Joseph, but Levi is one of those sons. Um, Eventually, when the people of Israel come out of Egypt and they make it into the promised land, all of the sons of Israel or the sons of Jacob, which are now tribes... Um, get land apportioned to them mm-hmm. except for Levi. Yes, uh, The inheritance of the tribe of Levi is actually the priesthood. So they don't get land, they don't get property, um, but really they get this calling that they will be the priests of God. Because of that, in tradition, because Abraham gives a 10th of his possessions to Melchizedek, the people of Israel now give a 10th of their possessions or a 10th of their income to the priests. Um, mostly this is food so that they can eat and live because uh, when you're doing priestly things, yeah. you're not farming and yeah. stuff like that. And that's that. where
1: we get the biblical principle of tithe today. Right. Is that the God's people provide for the priests.
0: Yeah. So today when we tithe 10% of our incomes to the church, that's where we get that number from yeah. is that's the number that um, the people of Israel would give to the temple mm-hmm. as well. So we have that thing going on. There's kind of an interesting history of the tithe as well. Um, but then there's also this interesting idea where it's saying that Melchizedek was superior to Abraham. Um, and so you have, because of Abraham and his his descendants, one of his descendants is Levi. In a way, Levi is also a subservient to Melchizedek. Yes. Or in other words, the priesthood of Levi is lower than the priesthood of Melchizedek. Yes. Really complicated, but. Because of the line.
1: Yeah. So Abraham's a father, a ancestor of Levi, who's the, the, I guess, the the priestly tribe but Abraham submitted in tithe and reverence and respect to Melchizedek. So that's what he's like. It, it's kind of a weird, even, even phrasing it, even in a, a more modern translation, it's still right. kind of confusing to read, but that's kind of the point because of the, the lineage of Abraham. Levi came after Abraham submitted in tithing to Melchizedek as a, a, an inferior. Um, so that's why the, he was saying, so even Levi gave tithes right. to Melchizedek. Now, in an even more
0: interesting, I don't want to say even more interesting, equally interesting, let's say, Um, When you get into that verse 11, this is kind of why I decided to pause here is it says, now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood for under it, the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? Um, Aaron, of course, being the first, (laughs) being the first high priest, but he was of the tribe of Levi as was Moses. Um, Okay. So
1: Aaron was the first high priest.
0: Right. So. So what it's saying there is essentially that Jesus is the high priest, but Jesus is also not a part of, um, I want to be careful. Yeah. I want to be careful. how I say this. he's definitely not part of the tribe of Levi. He is also in a way disconnected from the Levitical law. Um, And so, and and that's why I want to be really careful because he's Jesus is clear. I did not come to abolish law. I came to fulfill it. So not completely disconnected like that, but um, just as Melchizedek was, a follower and a worshiper of God, even though he was not necessarily a part of the tribe of Levi or even the people of Israel. And specifically Mm -hmm. Jesus is now our high priest, even though he is not directly connected to the line of Levi. Um, And just as God could make Melchizedek a high priest, even without that. So God, the father makes Christ our high priest um, or our mediator, I guess is another way to say between, between God and man.
1: Um, after the same tradition as Melchizedek. Yeah, and the other side to that too, just so you know, is the the also parallel between Christ and Melchizedek, which is why the author of Hebrews makes this parallel, um, is every priest had their position based upon their lineage, based upon the family that they were born into. Right. If you were born in the tribe of Levi, you already had your designated call. There was no clear shift you were within the, the Levites. you were part of the priestly tribe. You had certain responsibilities to the the tabernacle at the time, Um, but Melchizedek didn't have that. We actually don't know that he even says earlier in in chapter seven there that he doesn't have a genealogy or a lineage. We don't know who his mother or his father is. We don't know where he came from. Um, And just as he quickly appears in the history, the historical record, he also quickly disappears. So there's not much we know about this man. Yeah, we don't hear from him again. I don't think at all. Uh, the only, the only reference to him is in Psalms through David and in Hebrews after Genesis, like that, those are the only times we we hear from him, um, is when he's referred to, but that's like, as far as his historical account, we don't have it. But what we do know is that he was called a high priest and that's a call that God gave him. And so because that call was given to him by God, when, when Jesus is told to have come from the line of Melchizedek, he's going to be a high priest like Melchizedek. It, it refers to not his, um, not his ancestry, the, the family and tribe he was born into because he was actually born into the tribe of Judah, but it it realigns the call God has placed upon him to be the high priest and to be the king of his people. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why you see this parallel in the book of Hebrews to Christ as Coming in a form of even a better high priest than Melchizedek himself. All right. So there you go. So much to this. I'm telling you, (laughs) it's such a very simple like passage, but there's so much to be understood with this guy named Melchizedek. It is crazy that we're going to spend a whole podcast episode talking about basically a chapter and a half. Yeah. (laughs) So uh,
0: moving forward. So this is verse 12. uh, For when there's a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one who, of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. So just to recap that really quick, yes. he's saying, like Aaron said, Jesus is a member of the tribe of Judah. The tribe of Judah are not priests. So that's yep. all he's saying. Uh, this becomes even more evident. When another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of indestructible life. Yes. And again, that's what Aaron was talking about earlier. Uh, For it is witnessed of him. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's a quote from the book of Psalms. So there you go. We've got all three right here of the references to Melchizedek. Uh, For on the one hand a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced though through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath for those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, the Lord is sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did, not, since he did this once for all when he was offered up in That's, we're going to get back to that. (laughs) And then final verse, uh, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Okay. So we're going to get away from Melchizedek here for a second, but we're going to talk about why Jesus is our high priest and why it's important that he is. Um, I love the line that says, Uh, The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds the priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Or in other words, um, the reason that the Levites were priests was because they died. And so you have to have priests and you have to have priests, um, not just in time, you also have to have priests in areas because one priest couldn't be the priest for every person in Israel. So you have different cities, uh, different places where the priests are. Uh, it's saying that Jesus is different because Jesus is Jesus is God, so he has no beginning, he has no end. Therefore, there's no need to have any sort of backup plan uh, for the priest. And if we're getting con- confused about the word priest, I, I, I guess I do kind of want to um, talk about that for a little bit too, because I think in modern parlance, it can it's kind of become a uh, a synonym for pastor. Um, because really when you talk like with Catholic priests, that's, it's, the role is pretty much the same as, as what we would, as Protestants is what we would call pastors. Um, but the idea of a priest biblically is not that the idea of a priest is someone who acts as the, the go between Mm -hmm. for God and his people. He's the mediator. Exactly. Yeah. That's where, and that's where we get that, that word from. Um, well, not where we get the word from, but that's where we use the word biblically. A lot of the times is Jesus is our mediator. Um, and so in the Old Testament, people didn't have direct, direct access to God. Like sometimes God would come and, and make access to people. But um, normally the repentance of sin was not something that you did directly to God. The repentance of sin was something that you um, brought to the temple, offered sacrifices, and the priest communicated that to God. It's kind of a, it's kind of a weird way of looking at it. But, well,
1: and it's interesting because I... Um... This is probably going to take us to a place where it's going to add more questions, which I am all for. So please Let's ask find these out. questions. Um, but one of the things I was just reading, even the last couple of days, was that um, the sacrifices of the Old Testament only covered sins of ignorance, sin, sins of um, what is it? Omission, sins of people. So when the priests would would offer sacrifice, a scapegoat, they would come up and say, "Hey, here's my goat," or "Here's my sacrifice." Here's my goat to cover my sins. It didn't cover premeditated sins. It didn't cover sins that were blatantly committed, huh. knowing that they were being rebellious, which is why part of the the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was incomplete, which is why it needed a perfect spotless sacrifice in Christ. Um, so even in the order of how sacrifices play out. So that's like that's a, kind of a side note to the whole sacrificial system. Um, but it's one of those things that God never God knew going into it. It was never going to be a perfect system and it was going to answer but well, God used it to help people become more aware of their need and the sin in their lives. So they would understand the need for a savior greater than an animal or a goat. And that segues
0: perfectly into the last section where it's saying that because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, um, there's no need to continually offer sacrifices anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not. And so if you're wondering, like that's why as Christians, we don't like bring goats and like, and yeah. kill them at church. Like it's because um, Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. And there, there is this really cool motif, I guess you could say, of Christ where he fulfills a ton of different roles that normally were only fulfilled by one person in the Old Testament, right? But Jesus is prophet, he is priest, he is king, um, and he is sacrificial lamb. Uh, that's why we call him the, the, um, the lamb of God. Yeah. Is the, the idea is that Jesus was the final sacrifice for our sins um, and it covers all sins, not just There's sins. So all. many
1: allusions to that. And yeah,
0: Smith it's too. really, it's 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 really powerful stuff. Um, ah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, now I'm just starting to like nerd out on thinking about all of this. So we need to like stay focused on the podcast.
1: I know. All um, right. This is like that's why I said I'm, we might be going to sideways, thing for more questions. But um, it's just an interesting. So thing. if
0: you have any questions about that's what the beauty we've
1: been of saying, our banter, bro, we 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 just. We, yeah, yeah, we, we just we just,
0: we just like to talk. Um, if you have any questions about <laughs> the
1: if
0: uh, so <laughs> if you have any questions about anything uh, we're talking about the please. priesthood thing, write them in and we'll uh, we'll talk more about it. Um, so to get back to the line of Melchizedek, because that's what our podcast is about. So putting the priesthood on the on the shelf uh, for the remainder here. Um, the reason Melchizedek is an important figure, even though he doesn't occupy very much space biblically, is he is a picture of, of who Christ is. Um, and I want to be careful with that because he's not, um, some people would argue, I don't agree with them. I don't think this is where you land, Aaron, but we haven't talked about it before. Um, but some people argue that he's a Christophany or in other words that he is, I've heard that
1: too. I don't agree with it.
0: Okay. So we're, me and Aaron are both nay in on sync that.
1: in one of the few things of our lives.
0: Um, so yeah, we don't, so, but some people argue that he actually is <clears throat> Christ in the old Testament, which and that does see how happen. they get to
1: that because of how quickly he appears and how quickly he disappears. And right. You don't hear from him again. Um, But it just doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. So I don't, I don't, we don't hold that perspective, but um, he is clearly a picture of who Christ is. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's kind of interesting because he is the prophet or not prophet because he is the priest and he is the king um, of this nation. And because of the reverence that Abraham has for him, we can see in the future, the idea that Jesus will occupy those same offices, um, not just for a nation, but he'll occupy those offices for all of his people, um, which is a really cool, beautiful thing. So there you go. If you've ever heard the name Melchizedek, or if you've ever read that passage in Genesis and wondered like, what the heck is this guy doing here? That's what the heck that guy is doing there. So hope you found that one uh, informational. It's a little like, oh, so it's, much to it's it. a little bit more dense than a lot of the podcasts we do. Um, but we didn't want to talk about it just because um, like Aaron said at the beginning, it's in the reading plan. And uh, we just want to make sure like, if you're wondering who that guy was, yeah. let's talk about him. Well, so, now I know
1: how to say his name as well. It's Melchizedek. There you go. Um, Melchizedek. No, Mel- Um Also no, a great baby name. Yeah. Right. Please. Um, but yeah, I think it's important just to. Sometimes not glance past things that are confusing or unsure, and and I know that sometimes when when we talk, Evan and I do, we're trying to ca- we're trying to communicate so many different thoughts and ideas and concepts and truth about what we're reading that it can feel clunky and a bit much. And so I, I would encourage you if you kind of found yourself a little bit like, okay, what just happened? Stop. Take a breath. Go back and revisit some of the podcast. Pause it. Rewind it. Do whatever you need to do, uh, because this whole idea of Melchizedek is is so powerful and potent because it is. God setting in motion through Christ, a new order, so to speak. It's a new way. It's a new access. It's perfect access for you and me to him as our father, because of Christ as the high priest and the, and the King, um, for you and me. And so there's a lot to it. It's important to under, always understand. And this just goes to show you the depths and the layers behind scripture and how in its entire breath that it all points to Christ and, and what it means for you and I in light of Christ. So, um, so much there. There's plenty more we could probably talk about, but we want to save your time. So thank right. you for listening. So there
0: you go. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Let's Read the Bible. A did couple... you know that
1: we're not just the only podcast? I think there's more podcasts. There, there are you more know
0: podcasts at the Grove Church. Um, you can find those at our website at grove.church. And oh, also before we go, uh, we just want to remind you, leave a leave a five-star review if you can. So it just helps get the podcast out to the more people. Um, and we did receive not just a star rating, we received a written review this week. Ooh. So. Uh, Linnea Leary says, Thank you so much, Leary. Aaron and Evan Leary. are awesome, which, overstatement, but, like, yeah. but hey, it's thank you. It's not overstatement.
1: <laughs> That's an understatement. I'm just kidding. Uh, and
0: then I love how they give people insight. So thank you for the kind words. And yeah. uh, it's it's funny because it, it really is not just a pattern egos. It, it is just a, the more reviews we get, the more this podcast gets in yeah. front of other people,
1: the bigger yeah. the audience grows. If you the watch the Social Dilemma, grows. which if you haven't, total side note, you should go watch on Netflix. But if you've watched Social Dilemma, you understand some of the algorithm things. We just want truth to get out there. We want to have fun talking about the Bible. And we love to continue to grow this community, as Evan likes to say about the Bible. So, And on that note, we will see you all next week. Have a great day.